Hi there, welcome to the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, the Fearless Lady, Charlene Light. When I turned 40, I decided to create a really fun challenge for myself by stepping into my fears 40 different ways. I tackled fears around aging, going after my dreams, and even finding true love. This podcast is about that journey and how it transformed my life and how you can start looking at your fear as an invitation to step into your worth, invite more freedom, joy, and fun back into your life. Life can be an adventure. Live the life of your dreams. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of The Fearless Lady. Ah, happy spring. I am writing, or I'm writing to you. I am speaking to you the day after the first day of spring, and I feel like in LA, it's kind of always spring-like, <laughs> So, um, but it definitely feels It just feels good to know that we're moving closer and closer to what feels like more normalcy. Um, You know, they've opened the gyms here. They've opened indoor eating, you know, at like 25, you know, percent capacity. And they've even, I think, opened up movie theaters. Um, I actually got my first vaccine shot um, like two weeks ago now. So this is huge. You know, this is really feeling like we're moving towards the light at the end of this tunnel. Um, and I was just talking to a good friend of mine the other day and I was saying, it feels like this past year, you know, I don't know about you. I mean, I just feel like we've all grown so much that it feels like it's, it feels like 20 years have gone by in just one year, but it's because, I feel like we've sped up in terms of our growth, um, our spiritual growth, emotional growth, because, you know, the whole world shut down. So we had nothing to do but force ourselves to kind of look within. And I, I feel like we're kind of like this new season of spring really signifies, you know, um, sort of like the way, you know, you plant seeds and and then springtime is when things start to bloom and grow. And I feel like that's sort of the state of mind that I'm in. That's sort of the state that we're all in feeling like, oh my gosh, there's some, you know, something's going to change now. And um, it just feels really, really good. And I just wanted to you know, share. And I know that everybody has various opinions around the vaccine. And I really have come to this belief, which is that, you know, if you believe that this vaccine is going to harm you, if you believe that this virus um, was a hoax and, you know, it was nothing more than the flu or something like that, then obviously, you know, you have the right not to take the vaccine, right? Um, but I don't believe that. I actually believe that this virus was real and I believe that this um, vaccine is here to help us, not harm us. So for me, taking the vaccine, it felt very emotional. I was feeling, you know, it's funny because I didn't get out of my car um, the whole time. I was able to get an appointment, which I'm very grateful for. And my appointment was like at 1140 and I actually got my first, got the shot at 1155. So that just shows you how quick and how, you know, organized everything was. And I didn't even have to get out of my car. And when she, you know, gave me the vaccine, it just felt, I felt like relieved. I felt a sense of like, wow, we're actually going to move through this. And I think I was holding so much fear. I think we all have been 
really subconsciously holding a lot of fear because this virus, I mean, this whole year we were just like fed all of this information that we should fear getting this virus, you know? And, you know, I know people that have passed away, um, you know, not directly close to me, but certainly indirectly or friends of friends or extended family members and things like that. I know people that have gotten the virus and that they're still dealing with the side effects of having it, you know? So for me, it just felt like a huge relief. And I, I was just praying for everybody. Um, actually at the forum, that's where I got it. I was just like collectively like, you know, thank you. Thank us all for, for willingly doing this to help protect each other so that we can, move forward with our lives in a way that feels somewhat normal where we can hug each other and we can touch each other and we can travel and we can, you know, do all the things that we are meant to and intended to do on this planet. So I feel really good about it. And I just wanted to let you know, for those of you that are, you know, in the process of getting it or thinking about getting it, um, I just wanted to share my experience on that topic. So let's go ahead and move forward with my fearless acts. I, this week, this fearless, I I think I spoke last week or two weeks ago now around um, the idea that for my final fearless act, I wanted to create this, I wanted to create this idea around going back and doing things over again and seeing how it would feel. And one of the things that didn't feel complete to me was when I went to Planned Parenthood. So I I think it was around Fearless Act number 14 or something like that. I had this idea. I remember this distinctly. I was sitting in Soho and I was like, what am I going to do as my Fearless Act today? And I just had this idea around going into Planned Parenthood and offering to give the waiting area a, a meditation. Because when I first moved to New York, I didn't have insurance because I was an artist. So I would go to Planned Parenthood and get my yearly checkups. And I was always so grateful that I was able to do that, but I was extremely nervous in the waiting room. Coupled with when I turned 40, that was the first time that I was going to receive a mammogram. And I remember waiting in the at Beth Israel in, in New York City, um, right there in Union Square. And I remember being so nervous and feeling like, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Like, what if they found something? Like, all of these thoughts just kind of rushed in my mind, even though, you know, consciously I wasn't aware that I had any sort of doubt or fear around getting this mammogram. But when I was actually sitting in the waiting room, I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how heavy this was. You know, I think as women, when you turn 40, so many things change in your life. Number one, you're forced to receive this mammogram, which is a yearly checkup, you know, to to screen for breast cancer. Number two, you're entering a new decade where for me specifically as a single person, um, the weight, uh, or the pressure of, you know, finding a partner. And then if I want kids, you know, all of these things around, you know, the biological clock is ticking. So there was just a lot of pressure. And so coming up to, you know, fearless act number 41, if you will, I really wanted to go back to Planned Parenthood and keep pursuing it until I received an answer. Because if you remember from that fearless act, all I did was show up, realize I had all this fear around actually giving a meditation to the people in the waiting room, that I never ended up doing it. I ended up just kind of succumbing to the fear, leaving. And I had that beautiful lesson around, you know, wow, like this has nothing to do with me walking into Planned Parenthood. This has everything to do with all the stories and all of the feelings of rejection 
I've had when I would do something similar to this, when I would show up unannounced or when I would act on impulse, when I would put myself out there in a certain way, it is so tremendously scary, so scary. And everything is heightened because literally everything in your body starts to react as if, you know, you're in danger. You know, that's what, that's how fear shows up physically in the body. You are in danger. So the heart starts to race, you know, you're starting to like shake, your voice starts to tremble. All of these are signs that you are stepping into the fire of fear. And that's really what happened. I succumbed to the fear of walking into that Planned Parenthood office and I couldn't do it. I left. So for me, I was like, I'm going to take the opportunity and to really do it right this time, right? I'm not going to just give up. So I'm going to read to you what I wrote. And it's really intense. And it, it just shows how truly you have to be focused on your intention. So for me, I have this um, skill that I could be offering. And wouldn't that be cool to receive it, you know, as somebody who was on the other side of it, who had been in the waiting room and scared. So for me, my intention the whole time was like, I'm going to keep pursuing this until I receive an answer. So, okay, I'll read to you what I wrote. The first time I walked into Plant Parenthood, I wasn't prepared. I had an idea, an impulse, an inspired thought, and I acted on it that day. And that's what this challenge was about for me. Instead of overthinking and waiting until later, which many of you know could lead to never. So when I walked in, I didn't realize how nervous I would be. In fact, I started to have the same feelings I had all those years ago when I walked into that music manager's office unannounced. You know how fear plus projected rejection plus am I crazy for doing this shows up in your body. You get the shakes. Your heart starts to feel like it's about to pop out of your chest and you just have maybe peed a little bit in your pants. That's what I was working with the first time. If you don't know about the first time, you can go back and read it about it on my blog. It's no wonder that guard turned me away. I wasn't ready. I probably needed someone to perform a meditation on me, but we can always go back and do it better. And so I did. I walked into Plant Parenthood the second time with a plan. I was going to find out who I needed to talk to about proposing my idea of giving a meditation to the women in the waiting room. I walk in. Do you have an appointment? The guard asks. No, I was just wondering if there was someone in administration that I can talk to about proposing a volunteer-based meditation to the women in the waiting area. Oh, try the next building. Awesome, dude. Thanks. I wasn't even in the right building the last time. I walked into the next building and spoke to another guard. This guard asked me three different times to explain what I wanted to do. He just didn't seem to get it. But he called his manager to come out and meet me. Oh, you should probably talk to Jackie. Awesome. But Jackie was in a meeting. I left my card and decided to try again the following week. I come back. The guard recognizes me, thankfully, so I don't have to explain myself again. He calls his manager, who comes back down to speak with me again. Oh, Jackie is now in a conference call and can't speak to me, but he'll let her know when I stop by. Great, I think. I let a few weeks pass and I show up again. Hi, it's me again. Is Jackie available? No, again. Does she have an email I can send her a note? Sorry, we don't give out emails or phone numbers. The manager comes back down again. What is it that you want to do again? I explain. Again. 
each time gaining more and more confidence. He offers me a brochure how to volunteer for Planned Parenthood. No, sir, that's not what I was wanting to do. Jackie will give you a call. Right, that's what you've been saying. I got that. Then I start to rethink the idea altogether. Maybe I need to go back to the original source where I first got inspired, Beth Israel Hospital. I show up to Beth Israel where I stood in line to get my first mammogram and I asked who I needed to speak to. This time I give her my personal story. I amped up all the feelings and emotions and I told her I'm a yoga teacher who can teach meditation. I'm sure you get it by now. Isn't there someone I can talk to about this? Oh, you should speak to my supervisor, she says. Let me see if she's available. She calls said supervisor. I wait. She hangs up. She's in a meeting right now, but you can leave your card. Now I'm getting frustrated. Is she really going to call me back or am I wasting my time? Oh yeah, she will. I gave her my card and left. Weeks pass. No calls. I show up again. This time, I just want answers. Something. Anything. I'm not leaving until I get somebody who knows something. Hi, I came back a few weeks about I came back a few weeks ago about meditation or even a yoga class for patients. A new lady chimes in. Oh, you should speak to administration downstairs. Perfect. Thank you. I go downstairs and finally I speak to someone who has some answers. Finally, I share my story again. She gives me two phone numbers to call. One is the spiritual care center for Beth Israel and the second is someone who teaches yoga classes to cancer patients. I thank her profusely. I feel a mini victory come over me, but I don't get too excited yet. I call and leave a message for both people. Thankfully, one calls me back. It's John from the Spiritual Care Center. I explain, again, what I wish to do. He really likes the idea. He thinks I should become a volunteer for the hospital, but warns me that this could take some time. Right, time. That seems to be the theme here. But I feel like I've gotten somewhere. So I start to get excited. He tells me I should be expecting a call from said name by the end of the week. End of the week comes, no call. I call again. He says, oh yeah, that figures. We're doing a lot of restructuring here. I have a new supervisor. I will give you her number so you can speak directly with her on what it is you want to do. Oy vey, I am so tired of being sent to this person and that person when all I'm trying to do is help people. That's it. Give them my service. My God, I'm almost wanting to give up. But instead I said, do you really think she'll call back? He says, oh yeah, she will. She calls me within 30 minutes. Whoa, I'm impressed. We speak. I explain, again, what it is I want to do. This time, I'm drained. I'm dispassionate. I'm matter-of-fact about it. I'm almost numb about it because I just don't know how I feel anymore. She says, well, I, got, I just got this position. I need to figure out a few things. Can you call me back in two weeks? I just need two weeks to see how all of this works. And I just want to say, I turned 40 this past year and had to get my first mammogram, and I completely understand everything you're saying. I had all those feelings, and I just want to thank you for being so thoughtful and wanting to do something like this. Wait, what did you just say? You actually thanked me? I almost cried. Finally, finally, a woman who understands and appreciates and actually calls back. Oh, deep breath, big sigh. Thank you. There is nothing better than someone who actually gets you. Two weeks. I can wait two weeks. I could have waited to post what happens when we do speak. This was two days ago. But I wanted to share this now because many times we give up too quickly. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's time-consuming. But 
Getting this far makes it feel like a big victory. And again, I want to celebrate, celebrate these moments. This is what I know for sure. No one can tell you how many times to go back and try again. No one can tell you when to leave the relationship or the job or the career or anything. And no one can tell you you're crazy for doing something that you believe in. Anyone who did anything that made any difference in the world always looked crazy at first. This year has made me embrace my crazy. And I kind of like it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So that woman, she ended up calling me back and decided that there was, she wasn't going to allow me to do this meditation. And even though I received the no, which was, you know, really what I was after, I was after well, I was after so many things. Number one, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be heard and just felt like I was passed around like annoyingly. It's like, I was just thinking about how many times, you know, people want to do something with pure heart, pure intention. And they just get like red tape after red tape after red tape. And then they end up giving up. And I'm so proud of myself that I didn't give up, that I really continued and I pushed for an answer and I got one. Now I could have continued and really pushed further, But at that point, I just felt like, okay, well, maybe this idea will turn into something else, you know, down the line. But I, I just felt at that point, the fact that she was able to really hear me and what she said, which was like, you know, I just want to thank you for even thinking of this idea. um, That really meant everything to me. And in some ways was almost, was almost what I really wanted to hear. You know, um, it's just crazy, you know, and I posted this on my Facebook and at the time there was a, somebody responded saying, you know, I work in the health field, I'm going to try to make this happen. And I, you know, I don't know what ended up happening. I mean, clearly nothing, but I just loved that there was somebody else also wanting to take that ball and move with it, you know, and maybe somebody hearing this right now will be inspired and want to do something, you know, who's working in the health field or something like that. Um, you know, maybe I'll come up with another idea of a way to reach people, um, in this way to support women who are, you know, entering this age that, you know, have to do these, you know, specific health things for themselves, you know, as our bodies change, as we get older, you know, I, I'm not really sure, but for me, I had never, you know, it, it took, you know, once I became a yoga teacher and I really had to audition multiple times for different gyms, that was the first time that I really just didn't care if people said no the first time. I just kept going back because there was something about me being a yoga teacher that I didn't take it personally. You know, with my music, everything was personal. So when people didn't come to my shows or I wasn't getting far enough, from when my, what I perceived would be, you know, far enough. Um, I thought it was about me and my music. I thought, oh, I must not be good enough. So, you know, I should just not pursue it. With yoga, I just kept going. I kept pursuing it because number one, I knew, I knew it wasn't about me being good enough. And I don't know even how I knew that, but I think because I was already getting work doing it. So I had that sort of confidence. And then the other part of me just thought, well, get the job. Like who cares how many times you have to audition, just like get the job. It's the same thing, I guess, with actors. You just have to be comfortable 
in that space or in that form of just like, no, I know I'm good enough in the right the right thing's going to show up. I just have to keep. I just have to keep doing it. I have to keep doing it. I'll get better at it. Um, it'll be more effortless. I'll, you know, it's like about timing. There's so many factors, but for me, I think it was really about not taking it personally and just keep going. And so this was definitely a test for me. You know, going back so many times and just really trying to pursue to get the answer. And I'm always faced with this, even now. Of, you know, what do I have to offer? I know it's a value, so just keep going, keep sharing, keep sharing, keep sharing. You just don't know when somebody's going to be ready to, you know, invest, to want to work with me, all of these things. So, and I would say that with you, you know, if you're in a situation right now and it feels like you just are getting rejected and feeling like you're not good enough, I would say it's not about that. I think it's really about the practice of just showing up and being open to what you receive, I think there's also, that's a real teaching moment there because I was okay with either answer. Like I was, it would be great if they would have let me do it. And it was also okay that, you know, I didn't do it. (laughs) So I think there's something about that. Like I was really open to whatever was going to happen. For me, it was just like, keep going, keep pursuing until you get an answer, you know? And I think that's really important too. You know, when I look back in all those years of pursuing music, I was, I was probably even more scared to receive a yes than I was a no. I was so used to hearing no, or I was so used to, you know, um, being in that space of struggle, you know, that was such a familiar story for me that I think I was even more fearful of what would happen if I actually got the thing that I wanted. You know, there's that famous Marianne Williamson quote, which is that, you know, our greatest fear is not that we're going to fail. Our greatest fear is that we're going to be even more powerful than we ever imagined, because that's something that we're not used to. You know, so many, I would say every single person has struggled with self-doubt and not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. I don't think that's, I don't, I think that's normal. I think what's unnormal is those of us that really do, um, have a healthy mix of feeling it, but doing it anyway, feeling it, doing it anyway, and being really open to what is possible? Like maybe I can achieve this. Maybe I can be super successful. Maybe I can, you know, actually get the thing that I want. You know, I was just actually um, talking about this with a with a potential client on this idea around disappointment. How we tend to antici- we tend to anticipate disappointments in our life to the point where we manifest them because we are always anticipating we're going to get disappointed. So how do we change that? Right. In those moments when you feel like, oh, it's not going to work out, like let's say you're going for a job, you know, or even in my case, you know, um, you know, it could be a job, it could be a relationship where you're just like, oh, here goes another first date. It's probably not going to work out or yada, yada, yada. I think it's important to recognize that story that is circling in your head. It's sort of like this loop, right? And go, oh, that's interesting. I'm having this familiar story around being disappointed before I'm even going out on the date or before I'm even going on the interview. So how can I change that? Actually, 
it's not true. I don't know this person or I don't know what's actually going to happen. There's no way I can know. There's absolutely no way I can know. So healing is always happening in the present moment. So every moment is an opportunity to change that story. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be, you know, oh, I've got to go to years of therapy and I've got to take this program. And I, It's about practicing every single moment. So when that story shows up, you're like, huh, why am I already predicting that this is going to be, you know, a failure? Or why am I predicting that I'm going to get disappointed? Can I at least acknowledge that that story is not true? That it is not true. I can't possibly know what's going to happen in the future, right? So how about I try this on? How about I stay neutral? How about I say, huh, this job or this person that I'm going to meet, right, has certain things that I really like about them, or this job has qualities that I really like. So I'm going to be open to the experience, and I'm going to show up with, you know, my full self, and I'm going to be open to the experience without attaching to the outcome. And I'm just here as somebody new. I'm here being present with what is versus dragging this old story with me. You know, it's really powerful. And you can declare it. You can declare it in each moment. It can show up and you can say, okay, I'm not going to believe that. I see what's going on and I'm choosing a different narrative right now. I'm choosing to be present, you know? And that's really how you change. You keep doing that over and over and over and over again until one day that story just stops showing up, you know? And it goes in the reverse. It could be, oh, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail this, right? You think, you're, you know, something amazing is going to happen. You're still projecting something that you can't possibly know yet because you're not being present with what is. So it's just important to recognize when you're doing that and to kind of step back and go, well, wait a second, it hasn't happened yet, so I have no idea that really, truly, anything is possible. Anything is possible, right? So there's a freedom in that that I really, really lean into, and I encourage you to lean into it as well. Ah. <sighs> So on that note, I'm going to end this episode and I've got two episodes left and then we're going to finish this season of The Fearless Lady or my series of Fearless Acts. Um, and I encourage you to, you know, if you haven't already listened to all of the episodes, I recommend you doing that leading up to this final one because it will really, it will feel so um, fulfilling <laughs> once you kind of freshen up on all the, the fearless acts, and then you'll get to the, um, the final one, which I feel is at that moment in time was like the most, was probably the scariest thing that I ever did. And basically I went back to the bridal store to try on a, a, a wedding dress. To me, that was the scariest, most humiliating, most shameful fearless act that I ever did that I actually was able to do. So that's a really juicy one. 
So I'm going to end this episode and I just want to encourage you again, if you're interested to work with me privately, um, I would love to um, set up a discovery call and I'll share that in the show notes as well as I'm doing soul readings now. I have a special spring um, discount. So um, just message me if you would like to, to have a soul reading, I would be happy to share that with you. So I'm going to leave you with one of my songs again and I want you to have a beautiful rest of your weekend and I will see you and talk to you soon on the next episode. Take care. Make me